Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's NBA Observations, everyone. It's Gerald Glassford coming back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and information from the world of pop culture twice a week, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, like I said, we're taking a hiatus, but we should be back around NFL draft time. So go ahead and catch us then and catch all of the archive episodes that we have for inside sports fantasy football if you did catch them you would have gotten the same kind of information that i gave out for a championship winning run in fantasy football i know i did but anyways also as well of course joe soro hopefully he'll be able to join us maybe he's still on the road dealing with simblates simblates with y.com of course also as well inside sports fantasy football he's with us but then of course you know his shows. Tomorrow night, of course, there's the Lakers nightcap in store for you. Coming up probably around 11 p.m. And then, of course, on Friday as well. Looking to see if he can get mixed in more Cup of Morning Joes. So hopefully he can do that as well. Our good friends, the Lakerholics, Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet. Give them a shout out at Lakerholics.com. And, of course, our good friends, Empire Jeff TV, Lakers and Five, John Costas, Lakers Corner, and Clutch Talk. And, of course, John McCallion and Daniel Berry Sports Highlights. Yo, go ahead and give them some love. And speaking of giving some love, please go ahead and give us some love by liking, subscribing, sharing, following, whatever you can do to go ahead and support us. If you know Lakers fans in your life, please let them know about all that we do here in, of course, the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Roy, I was. In Summerlin over the weekend. Yes, uh, we actually uh, did a little bit of shopping and I we did eat at a fantastic Latin restaurant. I forget the name of it. They make the best empanadas I've had in a long, long time. Uh, it's right near the Earl of Sandwich. Uh, so yeah, if you go into Summerlin Center, if you do want to know more about that, yes. Oh, Roy, you should have come up and said hi. Yes, I would have loved to have met you, Roy. Man, if you see me out the street, unless you're trying to kill me for something I said, please, that would be bad. But if you're just trying to come up and say hi, I would love to take time to say hi to you and talk Lakers with you. 
absolutely would have uh, you know welcomed the chance and opportunity, Roy. I hope I get a chance to meet you in person. Hopefully, I get a chance to meet a lot of people in person that loves us here at the Lakers Pass Break. So, yes, I, I do appreciate it. And yes, that was me. Uh, you could go ahead and just shout out Gerald and uh, yeah, or just say Joe Soro. Joe Soro would be the key. If somebody says Joe Soro Stone Hansen to you, you are going to turn around. And I, for me, I would probably run if I hear that name. But yes, I would acknowledge it. So yes, there you go. So uh, Roy, uh, great to see you uh, as far as in the chat. Uh, hopefully I will get a chance to meet you here in Vegas. But yes, uh, yeah, I was in Summerlin <laughs> this past weekend. But is the Lakers... Fast break. Uh, tomorrow's game is the Lakers. We're back in the swing of things for basketball against the Golden State Warriors. Cool, bro. What's up? Uh, Thor? Yes. Thor's return to us here at the uh, Lakers fast break. I want to say, though, the news starts off for us. Before we get into the NBA rookies, it does come down to the Lakers, obviously. That's the title of the show. I did get an update. A few updates. Uh, for the last practice before they headed out to San Francisco to face off against the Golden State Warriors, LeBron James was given excused absence, a.k.a. Cabo or wherever it is that they're at, Hawaii, wherever it is that he's at, flying in late. But also as well, his ankle will be hurting too much from resting so much in Cabo. So he is out officially for tomorrow night's game, which is something we prepped you for, which is something he prepped us for over the weekend. So obviously the vacationing is still extending a little bit longer for him. So he'll be out tomorrow night. Darvin Ham also had an excused absence uh, for today. So hopefully he will be back uh, coaching the team. Although some people would say maybe not <laughs> coaching. The, well, we'll have a coach for tomorrow, whether or not it'll be Darvin Ham remains to be seen. I do also want to mention though, Christian Wood, something we didn't know from out of, a left turn there. Christian Wood has swelling in his knee and will be reevaluated in two weeks. So he is out of the lineup for two weeks. So, yes. Roy said you were with your wife and daughter, did not want to come up to you. I would have said fast break. You know, Roy, uh, you're always welcome to. My, my wife and my daughters uh, know my hammy ability on screen. So they would have not had a problem with it at all. They would have. Yeah, been okay with it. Yes, they would have teased me for it for the rest of the day. But uh, again, I would have welcomed the opportunity, and I welcome up up the up to, uh, the opportunity to go ahead and, and meet anybody out there in real life. Cool, bro, Gerald. Have you ever been to the Zach Baggins Museum? That is such a random thing, but no, I have I have not been there. Gerald, did you see the the Bad Batch? I'm not a huge fan of the Bad Batch, cool, bro. Uh, but I may try to catch it. I've heard the first eight episodes. I've seen all the reviews already. They're kind of slow. So I may get into it on the back end. I may cheat on you, cool bro, and see the back end of the episodes uh, when that last part of the season. Because now the, they, the thing that's streaming, they go ahead and they put the one part first, then they put the final part on the, uh, you know, as far as the season is concerned, on the back end for for whatever they're finishing out. So, yeah. I will probably see the back end of the episodes, but not the front end, the first eight, because I heard they're pretty meandering, so to say the least. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break, but I do want to mention Christian Wood, again, is out for two weeks with swelling in the knee. LeBron James is out for tomorrow. Don't know his status for Friday. That was no surprise. Jared Vanderbilt gave Vincent still out. 
Max Christie and Cam Reddish are listed as questionable, and Anthony Davis coming back from Cabo or wherever he was uh, vacationing from is probable. So here today to go ahead and discuss that and the NBA rookies so far this year, who has impressed him, who has not. Definitely that we can tell you already and give you a hint on who has not impressed him so far this year as far as NBA rookies. Our man in the know, Stone Hanson Stone. Great to have you here. Uh, I got a pleasant surprise from Roy. I truly appreciate uh, him uh, acknowledging me out there. So I want to ask you, Stone, though, when it comes right down to it, tomorrow night's game, no LeBron. I think it's a more important game than and people should take seriously to get you back on the right track because all that momentum, like Joe had said, he really didn't want the Lakers to stop because they had been playing – what I think, well, I think we said seven out of the last eight that they had won, uh, or six out of the last seven, eight out of the last 11, really doing well. Offense is really starting to hum now that Rui Hashimura is in the starting lineup. And unfortunately, I had to add the all-star break. So coming out of it, you can lose a lot of momentum and things can go awry. But having no LeBron and Christian Wood out there obviously will hurt the rotation as well, Stone. Yeah, I th- definitely. Um... I think the Christian Wood thing is not that big a deal to me because although it'd probably be nice to have him tomorrow since uh, LeBron will be out, um, it seems like Jackson Hayes has pretty much supplanted him as the backup center. Uh, so it's not that big of a concern to me. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the Vanderbilt or even Cam Reddish is more impactful injury uh, than losing Christian Wood at this point because I feel like he's he's pretty much dropped out of the rotation. LeBron, uh, I think we, I mean, I think most of us expected this coming into this game after what he had said over All-Star Weekend. Uh, You don't, you would prefer him to play. uh, It is what it is. But so, you know, it's going to come up to the rest of the guys to step up. Rui's going to have to play big. Um, Again, uh, we're going to have to get Prince to you know, hopefully hit his threes. It's very off and on with him, but he's going to have to do that in this game if we want a chance. Uh, Dilo is going to have to remain the type of player he was pre-All-Star break heading into it. Um, and Anthony Davis is going to obviously have to lead the team. So it uh, puts pressure on everybody else. Um, they've done it before, so hopefully they can do it again. Uh, it is going to be a big game. It's going to be a competitive game because, you know, the Warriors are uh, in a a seed race with the Lakers. Um, so uh, you're not playing, you know, like a, a Portland or a San Antonio or a Detroit. You're, you're playing a team that's fighting, you know, directly with you for that seed. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I mean, ultimately, like I said, I, I, I'm i so far removed from thinking the Lakers are actual contenders that, uh, you know, if, even if we lose the game, I would, obviously like us to to win but even if we lose i don't think it really matters that much just because i don't think contention status was ever really in reach for us but what if they do win what if they start or they continue on their winning ways uh, i'm not going to say the 20 and 6 level that joe said because that again that's very gaudy and for a a down the stretch for a western conference in much of the games which will take place against a healthy Western Conference. That's a tough and tall order to ask. But what if they do go on a 18 and 8 like they did last year or uh, 16 and 10 where it you know they try to provide some hope where 
that would put them, uh, you know, at the end of the season, 10 games above 500. I understand that you said it won't give you a huge differential as far as the change in your perception, but it could at least be the difference between a ninth seed and let's say a seventh, possibly sneaking into a six. Yeah. I mean, to me though, it's just, if you're, if you're not actually contending, I don't really care for a first round exit or a second round exit or a Western conference exit because it's not championship level. So that's what I'm striving after. And I don't think the Lakers quite have that this year, but um, you know, I mean, the farther they go along, I guess the more fun it is for us to be able to continue to watch our team have success. But uh, I think that, um, you know, as, as currently situated, I think first or next, if they go on this sort of run, like you're saying, hypothetically, then, you know, maybe I see us as a, a second round exit, but I, I can't really get behind us, you know, going for a championship at this point in time, based on what I've seen. So, um, yeah, I'm not. And I get that. I get that. I mean, for me too, I'm saying it, it, you're going to have to give me a hard sell on the Lakers being at a championship level. I don't see it yet but I do see some signs of a nice turnaround now that they can build upon, that they can go ahead and be at a level where they can compete, uh, where they're not just an early out, like in a, you know, in the play in, you know, as far as that scenario is concerned, they can actually make it to the actual playoffs and, and compete in the playoffs. I'm not giving them the title uh, as some, you know, Lakers fans are at, you know, heading into the all-star break. I just think that they are a little bit more competitive level, but again, health is the key to this team as well. Yeah. Health is the key. I mean, really for every team, because most teams have stayed relatively healthy, you know, throughout the season. So, but uh, to me, I don't, I don't differentiate really between like Western conference finals or play in like, if it's not championship level, I just, I don't really care that much. It's, it's just, you're not, if you can't convince me that you can win a championship that year, then I don't really have, you know, that heavy of a care whether you go to the first round or the second round or you make the play in it because it's not the ultimate goal. And that's really what I'm after uh, and what the Lakers are probably after. So um, I think that that is, you know, the biggest factor for me in not being in that sucks. And it, it just, it doesn't really, matter to me how far they go if it isn't a championship so that's kind of where i'm at hopefully they prove me wrong you know i mean uh i've, I've obviously been wrong before but um currently that's where i'm situated and i don't think a a big run uh, a big 20 and 6 or 18 and 8 would really change that for me either this is Raphael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Nice. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Stone Hansen along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much again for watching and listening. Truly appreciate you joining us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. It's NBA observations as we observe what's going on in the NBA. Talked a little bit about the Lakers, uh, what they can do tomorrow night. I did mention that Christian Wood has now been diagnosed with swelling in the knee. He'll be out for two weeks. Also as well, LeBron James, uh, due to ankle uh, you know, treatment, a.k.a. also coming back late possibly from Cabo or wherever he was you know, flying to during the uh, off days. Uh, he has been granted to not only an excused absence, but he's also out for tomorrow, which he warned us about. So that was to be expected. But yes, also as well, Cam Reddish and also as well, Max Christie may be back in the lineup. They're listed as questionable for tomorrow night's game. But yes, when it comes right down to it, I think they need to make a statement. I think the Lakers need to come in there ready to play with whoever they have. I kind of am worried about if uh, if uh, Anthony Davis uh has enough in the tank because he he did have to play in the all-star game a little bit although you know god forbid did they really try maybe he didn't burn that much energy anyways but still going over there and then having a a a shortened few days off as opposed to most of the other players may may come back as far as it's going because he has played so many minutes so far this season i still think that the lakers can go ahead and make a nice run where it goes from here, I don't even know, but I, I know it's not going to lead most likely to a, a championship. And I'm hoping I'm wrong too is on that. But saving face, I think, is this point for me. Saving face to the point where the Lakers will look like their competitive team going forward. And I would certainly hope that the Lakers do find enough tomorrow to go ahead and make a statement and put Golden State a game further back in the loss column from the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously rooting for as much Lakers success as we can get. That's that's not changed. Uh, hopefully that happens. Um, it'll be interesting tomorrow, you know, to see if uh, – I don't really doubt AD. Um, that's not really a concern for me. I think he'll he'll play his part. Um, whether D'Lo continues the best run of his career, uh, you know, post-All-Star break is something that's sort of TBD for me. Um, what Re can do uh, with, you know, obviously more opportunity. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Prince, you can't really rely on. Uh, what you get from him is, you know, hopefully four or five threes, but 
you can't rely on that from game to game. So really I'm looking at, you know, what does D'Lo and Rui provide uh, to what level can they make up for the, the offense that LeBron is not going to be bringing to that game. So that's the two guys I think I'll really have my eye on headed into the Golden State game tomorrow. So I ask you, how should I say this? How should I phrase this? I said it to Roy, 50, 40, 80, the Lakers have been like, the reason why the offense has really ticked up and you see it in the numbers, 50, 40, 80 at three games in a row stone. Absolutely fantastic. When you are shooting 50 from the field, 40 from the three-point line, and 80 from the free throw line, you have a chance to compete in any game against any team out there in the NBA. The reason why they have been on this winning ways and the reason why they have been on this winning streak, it's not just putting Rui Hashimura in the lineup. It's the total uh, just offense starting with D'Lo going on through the entire lineup. Everybody has been shooting better on that end of the floor. Defensively, it's still been a struggle, but offensively, it has clicked a lot better. Especially starting with D'Lo, what is the mindset that you've seen? What are the things that you've seen differently in these past few games on and off as from an offensive standpoint? Uh, I think he's just been more aggressive trying to get to his shot. It feels like he's he's really trying to you know, make be that third guy that the Lakers have been looking for, which has been great to see. Um, I am cautiously optimistic with D'Lo because we've seen this charade before with him. He has big runs. This, this is, is the biggest just, run of his career, though, I think. Of his career, and it's, what, seven, eight years into it now? Even it's, his all-star season, he didn't he didn't flow this well. Yeah, and, and that's sort of my point is you got to be really weary of those. Uh, if it's taken this long to get to that, generally speaking, uh, that six or seven years prior of sample size that you've seen that he's not been this player. So are you going to let you know two-thirds of a season dictate over six or seven prior years that you've seen of him play. Uh, that's to me where I'm kind of at, uh, you know, hopefully it continues. And I think that uh, he's uh, been very good for us, obviously. Um, he, I, I really do like Dilo. I think uh, he's a very good player. I think he's best suited for a sixth man role, but we just don't have the affordability to be able to provide that for him. He has to be our starting point guard. So um and I think he's filled it very well. I just don't trust him to continue that throughout an entirety of multiple playoff series. Um, I think that he's, you know, a re- he is a pretty good shooter. Uh, he's inconsistent, but I think, you know, uh, he's on probably more times than he isn't. Uh, he's a very, he's our best ball handler, I would say, and probably our best passer outside of LeBron. Um, it's just that he's, like I've always sort of said, maybe a half second shy on on seeing different windows as a passer, but um, I do I do really enjoy D'Lo in his game. I just think it's best suited as a six man, and we're giving him more of an inflated role because we don't have someone to to put him above him uh, to make him that six man. And that's what I mentioned, Stone, before uh, that I think that this would be a critical year for him to see whether or not he can still stay at a starter level, or if he would be, uh, you know, uh, equitable to a reserve role. And we've seen that in both. We've seen that this year where he's been a starter and a reserve. I, th- I was thinking about it more. 
on the in this off time. And I agree with you on Austin Reeves and D'Lo, your assessment that they would both be best suited for coming off the bench if we were a different team. But the problem is you can't, you don't have two guards better than them. I think their ultimate roles that they would be best suited on a championship team would either one of them be as a six man or together, what have you. But, you know, it's because of their defensive liabilities, but we don't have that option. So they have to be our starters because there's just no one better else that you can throw out there, especially when D'Lo is playing at this high of level stone. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, someone's going to have to pick up the slack if D'Lo's run comes to an end, right? If you can't, if he can't sustain this, it's going to have to come from Reeves. It's going to have to come from Reeves. Someone else is going to have to pick up that offensive slack when, you know, it, it falls off to some degree. So, um, you know, Le- Le- LeBron and AD are going to take the lion's share, obviously. That's where it comes from. You hope D'Lo remains this third guy, but because of everything we've mentioned prior, you can't really like nail him down as that third guy for the rest of the season and headed into the playoffs and, you know, even beyond. So you have to make sure that someone else is there to pick the slack up and re and Reeves could do that on any given night. Uh, but I, I, there, I think more like fourth options on a championship caliber team. Right. So, um, it, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, it, it's uh, a lot up in the air, I would still say, which is not something you probably want to say two-thirds of the way into the season. <clears throat> so funny because since the comments were made in regards to Trey Young possibly being brought in or, or possibly being a Lakers target, uh, the commenters, uh, and you know who you are, uh, have commented on Trey Young uh, not being at that level stone uh, uh, be considered a third star. And I'm not saying he's a third star or not. I've just, you know, he's 27 points, 10 assists right now for the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously his defense has been in question. Uh, you know, cool bro. May the force be with you. Great to have you here. Good to help to see you soon. Cool bro. But yeah, I just think at this point in time, the Lakers need to go ahead and find whatever can they can as far as consistent offense. And, you know, when LeBron gets back, whenever he gets back, uh, hopefully they can gel. But I agree with what Roy was saying earlier. I think that ball moves around better when LeBron is not there. I think it, it just flows a lot better. I understand that they just don't have that top-level talent when he's not in there, when LeBron is on. But still, the, the there are certain aspects of the Lakers that actually work out better when he's not in the lineup, Stone. Yeah, and we've seen that a couple times. Um, it just seems a bit more free-flowing. And I think the main reason for that is not because of LeBron. Um, it's because we don't have an offensive system. Uh, we don't have an offensive system in place that maximizes LeBron in a way where he's a primary facilitator getting everyone else involved. Uh, we're playing essentially pickup basketball offensively where we have a lot of LeBron ISOs. We have a lot of AD ISOs, and we're not getting we're not getting you know really any uh, ball movement because nobody's moving around the court. It's it, I mean, how many times are we on playback saying there's only two guys playing in the set and three other guys are just watching them? 
it, it seems to happen over and over again. And I think if we had more of a movement on the court, more offensive sets, more things ran uh, to maximize LeBron and, and LeBron's passing to get other guys involved, uh, we wouldn't probably be having this discussion. I think we'd we'd be seeing, you know, just as much offensive flow uh, or, or possibly even more when LeBron is playing. So, um, but instead, we're when he's playing, we're relying a lot on his isolations and things like that uh, to really, you know, get us some offense. Uh, because we don't have anyone that moves around on the court and, and nobody that, you know, moves the ball around. As far as Trey Young goes, I do think he is legitimately, like, one of the best point guards in the NBA, probably a top five point guard in the NBA. I think he's – I to anyone that says he's a terrible defender, I would agree with you up until this season, and I would strongly implore you to watch a Hawks game or, or a few throughout the season to see – that he's actually come quite a ways uh, defensively. I'm not saying he's a stalwart defensively or you need to rely upon him, but uh, I think oftentimes we have uh, misconceptions because we latch on to narratives from guys early on in their career. Uh, Same thing happened with Harden. Harden was an awful defender, especially on the perimeter. As the years went on, he became a legitimately good post-defender. Same thing with Luka. If you watch this year, he's, he's taken a lot of steps to become... Uh, again, a, a passable defender. I'm not saying he's a stalwart or anything, but he's not a liability any longer. And I think that's the case with Trey as well, uh, at least for this year. And he's probably a top three passer in the league. He's, you know, someone that I think would keep that flow going uh, within our offense. I'm not advocating that we should or should not trade for him with the assets that we have. Um, just simply speaking on, you know, who the player Trey Young is, um, and that's sort of my take on him. Uh, and I think, like I said, if we had an offensive system and scheme that uh, really implored implored more uh, passing and movement, uh, we wouldn't have the discussion of whether this team is, you know, more free-flowing with or without LeBron. Once again, it is Stone Hanson along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks again for watching. Listening, truly appreciate it. The R Bruin 10 says, are we suggesting that LeBron takes more of a point guard role? Take less shots, less ISO, similar to what we saw in 2020. You know, ultimately, our Bruin, as we saw with, uh, you know, what's going on now with with him deciding to sit out, he's going to do ultimately what he wants to do. Uh, but I do know that the 28 minutes that was ultimately, you know, scrapped, that would be if you have D'Lo and Austin playing at this level continuously throughout the rest of the season, along with Anthony Davis and Rui Hashimura chipping in with the way he has, like he did in Utah, you can play LeBron less. You can make him more effective. He is shooting 40% from three. So, you you know, before we go ahead and rip LeBron a new one, you got to say he is shooting efficiently from beyond the arc this season. He's not just chucking it up, you know, mindlessly. And that's irritating all of us out there, but the, you know, Less ISO, that would be awesome if he stopped, you know, reduced that. The drives to the basket, which were his bread and butter, the, he's not hitting as much of that as he has in the past. That has been something that I noticed, uh, something that was pointed out to me as far as the number of layups that he was missing. We've also, all, you know, on the playback, we call it Westbrooking. You know, he's been Westbrooking uh, quite a bit this season. 
So it isn't he isn't as effective at the rim as he once was, but he is still can get it done when he needs to. But your thoughts, my friend, does that mean we want LeBron to take a lesser role in the team? I would like to see him get less minutes. I would like to see the 28 to 30 minute expansion or excuse me, 28 to 30 minute uh, regression of his role be now until you get into the playoffs. Because I think the way that they're shooting now as a team maybe can make up for any time that they lose with LeBron in the lineup. Yeah. uh, I mean, I think I agree with you that, you know, the, the drives to the basket or I think he's, he's not losing. as efficient. He's not as efficient as he once was. Yeah. And I think that's a result of age. Uh, I think he's, he's a year older uh, and, you know, not to say that he's not in a Supreme insane athlete still, but he's not the Supreme insane athlete. He was, you know, in 2016, there's, there's a difference and it's noticeable. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be. I'm not saying LeBron's washed before everyone gets angry at me. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I am saying there's a noticeable difference. And I think uh, it's naive to think otherwise that he's, you know, he's on the decline of his career. That that doesn't necessarily mean he's bad or that he's, you know, washed or anything, but it does mean that there's a difference between now and, you know, years before. So I think that um, the fact that, he is not the same level of finisher uh, is a testament to age. And I think it's something that, um, you know, uh, it would be wise to re have a roster where you didn't have to rely on him to create and initiate so much by driving to the rim all the time. Um, it seems like, Reeves is more of a secondary initiator because he can't be that that primary guy that um, collapses a defense because the the handle with him is just not advanced enough. Uh, D'Lo can be that. It's very up and down, I feel like. Um, but the, the scoring is what's been most consistent with D'Lo. But I feel like the initiating um, has been up and down with him. Um, I think that he can collapse defenses. It's just that he's always not uh you know the primarily the most ideal guy to initiate out of that collapse um so it is a lot of pressure on lebron still at this age to be able to consistently attack defenses uh get guys coming in and and collapse them and then be able to pass out of that so uh i think uh i did say that joe um i think it is uh, joe starting trouble already it's even it's even <laughs> on the air <laughs> Uh, I I think it is important, um, you know, probably, I guess, headed more into the summer to find someone that can alleviate that because uh, as the years go on, it's just it's going to become, you know, more and more of a stressor on LeBron to be able to uh, carry such a heavy initiating burden game in and game out uh, when there's no relief for him. And again, Dila provides that in spot in spurts. Um, we've seen them try it with AD more throughout the season, right? We've seen AD sort of at the high post. Uh, they're they're waiting. He has to wait for someone to cut because we don't really have a scheme we run, uh, and he's able to find him from there. Um, and it's in semi-transition a lot of times, but to be able to find someone that in the half court that can really break down and collapse defenses and uh, not 100% put that on LeBron, I think, would be 
worth uh worth a strong look at uh, at some point this summer Carlos, welcome. Always great to have you here and as well, everyone else. Thanks so much again for being part of what we do here at the Lakers Fast Break. If you haven't yet liked and subscribed, please do so to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the Lakers Fast Break. To answer your, your question on Gabe Vincent, I do not think we will see Gabe Vincent anytime soon. Uh, we're going to see Cam Reddish here and Max Christie here shortly. Christian Wood is out for two weeks with swelling in the knee. LeBron James is also out with his ankle treatment, a.k.a. coming back from Cabo or wherever he came from on vacation. And then uh, for Gabe Vincent Stone, the last I heard, I heard late February, early March as a reevaluation point. And I think that's probably the best we could say because I think this is looking more and more like Carlos and, and to you, Stone like a lost season for Gabe Vincent, which is truly disappointing. The guys in the first year of a three-year contract, uh, it's something that, you know, we invested a lot of money into him and we have yet to see any kind of returns on Gabe Vincent as of yet. Yeah, it is disappointing. Um, I think if you had our, our championship hopes, you know, pinned on Gabe Vincent's health, then, we're in trouble from day one because I don't think Gabe Vincent should really determine whether you're a championship contender or not. But, uh, you know, you would like to see him be on the court after you just paid him. Uh, it's not something I'm necessarily overly concerned with moving forward into the future two years of that deal. He's going to have to recoup his value by showing that he can, you know, put up the production to back up what he's getting financially. But, um, it's not something I'm necessarily concerned about reoccurring. Uh, it, it's not like a major chronic issue at this point in time. So um, we'll see how it happens. But yeah, I mean, it's it's disappointing for sure. And I think, you know, it means less, he would probably be a primary, primary uh, point of attack defender on the perimeter, someone that is able to uh, hopefully play a bit of playoff time because, you know, none of the guards we currently have are going to really do that. They're, they all seem to get blown by on the perimeter. So um, I think, you know, hopefully we just have him for next season. But like I said, I don't think uh, you should be looking for Gabe Vincent to really determine whether you're going to win a championship or not uh, headed into the season. <clears throat> we'll see what happens uh, again for Gabe Vincent. Again, it looks like uh, as being reported, you know, obviously he had the left knee surgery for a meniscus tear. And yeah, just really looks like it's beginning to be a lost season. And I'm hoping I'm, I'm wrong. I'm hoping that they'll reevaluate him here at the end of the month or early next month. And he can actually get a clear to return and not be rushed back out on the court like he was earlier this season, which obviously was not in his best interests. You saw what happened there. And now he's been out longer because of it. So hopefully they can go ahead and get him back on the right track when he's ready. and. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast that talked about the worst contracts in the NBA. They kind of mentioned that the Anthony Davis contract would has a possibility at the back end when he's making in the final year $61 million at the age of 35, 36. That won't look so great. But by then, maybe you will have already evaluated him as far as maybe being put in a trade or something. Like that. Yeah, again, we that far down, we don't know. I think the Jared Vanderbilt contracts and the Gabe Vincent contracts with their health issues and with Jared Vanderbilt, which Jared Vanderbilt are you going to get? Are you going to get the Jared Vanderbilt 
at the last week to two weeks that he was playing, or are you going to get the first two weeks he was playing dependent throughout the rest of his, his contract. So we'll see what happens. I have a feeling that, that the Jared Vanderbilt contract will be fine. Gabe Vincent's I'm still kind of on the fence on because it is knee issues, but we'll see my friend, but your overall thoughts as the Lakers head back into golden state tomorrow to go ahead and start back up on the road again for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, I'm like I said, uh, I've sort of determined, I think, or, you know, have an expectation of where I see the Lakers at the end of the season. So I'm just going to sort of ride out and enjoy the games game by game as they, as they appear on my screen on playback. Um, and I'm not really, you know, going to sweat too much. I think, uh, whether we, lose a bunch or win a bunch because I feel like uh, my expectation, like I've said, is not containing a championship. So wherever we end up, I think I'm going to be fine with just because I have come to that conclusion and I've come to terms with that. But um, I would like to be wrong. I'd like to see them go further. Uh, And, you know, hopefully they do. I'm just going to enjoy the ride for what it is, though. I think it's going to be – probably a lot of competitive games, especially this final third of the season. Every team is going to be fighting for a playoff seating uh, and that's going to be what it is. So I'm just going to enjoy it from game to game. Look who just showed up here on the road mobile while well, he's, he's on the road somewhere. It is of course the guy behind Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com ox, 1947, Lakers And of course your cup of morning, Joe and Lakers nightcap. It is Joe Soro. Joe, can you hear us? You are on mute, sir. I, your mic is not working. And you're not on mute, but you are, your mic, mic is not working, which some have said might be a good thing. But uh, I'm hoping that you, we will get to hear you. And I know our your fans out there will be able to hear what you have to say. Looks like he's getting back off. Got to hit the allow button on the mic and the camera. So while we wait for Joe, uh, I want to go ahead and start getting into some good conversation here with the NBA rookies, which is the going to be on the marquee. Oh, he's back in here. Can you hear us now, Joe? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. you wow. Sound scarily. You sound really scary, deep throated right there. So Well, car, car, car play is, is, uh, is one of the jankiest programs I think ever made. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. It sounds like you are in the trunk this time, not me. But uh, before we go ahead and talk about NBA rookies, I wanted to ask you, Joe. I am the trunk. Uh, that Yeah, you are, that's for sure. Um, I was talking to Stone at length about tomorrow night's game against uh, Golden State, setting us off on the right track. You do have uh, LeBron James and also he's going to be out uh Christian Wood has just been diagnosed with swelling in the knee, so he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. So he's out. Cam Reddish and Max Christie are iffy, questionable. Your thoughts, my friend, how important to start off this part of the season is for with a win in Golden State without LeBron? Is it for sure that LeBron's not playing tomorrow? Yep, yep. He's you know uh, Left ankle treatment coming back from whatever vacation spot he's coming from. And that's actually what they said. No, they said it's the it's the left ankle treatment. I'm just kidding you, Mom. The, the I'm gonna take he, a wild guess. I'm gonna take a wild guess that he's not coming tomorrow or Friday. Okay. And he was excused. Case, he was excused from practice today, which might tell you some things. 
Okay. If if that's the case, then obviously the Lakers need to channel whatever they had in Utah against Golden State, and then I would like to think that they have enough talent to beat San Antonio on the back end of a back-to-back on Friday. If that if they end up winning both games, then it becomes uh, an asset in terms of not having LeBron play for what two weeks, solid two weeks. That's outside of the All Star game, but that you know that was just running up and down for fifteen minutes. Yeah, that was. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> oh boy, that's a topic, and it's and it's and it's yes. <laughs> its own. Uh, it, I don't know if this is going to be like baseball where you've got a rhythm going, you've got momentum going, and then all of a sudden you start crapping the bed. Guys like D'Angelo Russell or Austin Reeves, I, I don't I don't see that happening. And if it does happen, then it, this, this was inevitable that this was going to go away at some point. But AD is going to be the pillar here. Uh, Golden State seems to be a team that we continue to play well against regardless of whether we have LeBron or AD or both or none. But I, I am, I am, it's a, it's a crucial game in a lot of ways because we're only a game. The Lakers are only a game ahead of Golden State. So if they want to kind of get up in this play in standings, they're going to have to get these guys down there a little bit more. And I don't have a feel for it yet. I'm going to, probably not see it until I maybe get to the first quarter and then we can probably feel one way or the other on whether they're, they're going to be able to go to San Francisco and take that, that game. If they don't win the game, it's a close game. There's some positives there that you can take from it. But again, LeBron sitting after two, almost two weeks of not playing. I, I don't, I don't, understand that really right now i don't know what what's going to make the difference in his ankle between thursday friday and then the, the next game after that so i don't know could this be a week rest i don't know i we're gonna we're gonna find out but if they can you know if they can if they can make it competitive tomorrow and win or you know at least have being a close game or whatever i guess we'd have to take that one and then you have to win on friday so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I just don't know. I don't know how to gauge it yet. I got to see how these guys. Uh, I got to see how these guys perform after their rhythm has been kind of skewed a little. Fair enough. Uh, and again, I, before we go to the rookies, I wanted to ask your your thoughts on LeBron James himself. You know, we talked about uh, and it was mentioned by Roy and and uh, others in regards to or one fly as well, as far as how well uh, the team had plays at times without LeBron, the lineup, uh, I see this as an opportunity. If they continue to play well offensively, Joe, there's a possibility that they should go to the thing that we talked about, which was talked about by the team at the beginning of the season, playing LeBron all 28 to 30 minutes. If they continue to play well without LeBron, the lineup, is it something they should strongly consider to try saving him for the playoffs? I don't know the answer to that, especially considering the talent that we're going to be, the Lakers are going to be playing against in the next few weeks. We're talking about the upper echelon teams, Oklahoma City, Denver, Minnesota, Milwaukee. It's going to be a really, 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 really 
strong schedule that they're going to have to go through. And they are at home, which gives them a little bit of an advantage. And their offense has been flowing very well lately. They're going to have to somehow, and I think a lot of the reasons why they've been playing well without LeBron too, and they might be doing this to see too. I, I don't know if they're that cagey, I guess. I'm just hopefully thinking that. I don't know if they're if they're doing this to see if they indeed can play well without LeBron. Then they can use LeBron in spots the remaining 26 games. I thought about this last night, actually, while I was watching some highlights. I thought, could they be testing? Could they be seeing, hey, you know what? Get a little rest. Let's see, because after we saw them kind of smack Utah around after the middle of the third, I mean, they they beat the crap out of Utah. I don't remember the Lakers beating Utah and Utah that way. In Utah, again, we for those who've been a Laker fan for a long time, Utah is the bane of the Laker existence no matter who was on the team. So the fact that they did it, not only did it in Utah, they did it on the back, in the back end of a back-to-back without without one of their main guys. So I I think they might be testing the C. If they can win without LeBron against a formidable team, it's always formidable when you have Steph Curry on the other side. And it's another back-to-back. Yeah, San Antonio's not strong, but winning back-to-back is always good no matter who you're playing. Then they're like, hey, man, we just we just had three wilds that we covered in three games without LeBron. That now starts to make sense. And this is the only... One of the few players that I would I would say you can somewhat load manage. It's just unprecedented what he's doing. If he's in his 21st season, he has like he's really got 25 seasons if you add in the playoff uh, games as well. This guy's been playing for a quarter century when you when you factor in games. If there's one guy that needs the rest, yes, LeBron is the guy. Is, there's always an exception to the rule. There's always an exception to the rule, except for a few things in life. But in sports, you play 21 years, you're still effective. You're trying to win a championship. Your depth isn't really where you want it to be. You got you to, at some point, figure out another way to manage those, those opportunities so that when prime time comes, your main asset is available and focused and able to do the job. The other thing is also is... The reason why the team's probably playing a little bit better is, uh, and I'm not I'm not saying their defense has gone up a couple notches, no, but LeBron's defense is pretty detrimental to, to team basketball usually. He, especially when he doesn't get the calls from his offense, he basically lets everybody die on the vine on the other side every time that happens. And that that's something that I, I'd wish Darvin Ham would get into LeBron about. We're... You're three-fourths of the season in this already. I think it's time you need to tell LeBron to stop bitching and whining when he doesn't get a call. We get it. You you got screwed. But you're leaving your guys to die on the other side, and they score almost every time when you do that. So you, that's there's one thing I can I want to ask LeBron to not do. That, stop doing that when you get back. Stop doing that. And if he, if they can cover some of these little deficiencies and play better without him, then they're going to be able to save him up. Then they're going to be able to save save him up a little bit. And as far as Anthony Davis is concerned, you give him more uh, 
opportunity to probably secure that defensive player of the year award. And uh, I think he's close to probably being a first all NBA guy too. Strong statements there from Joe Sorrell, a.k.a. Oxnard247, LakersBall.com. It is, of course, Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate you joining us. Joe, I just got to let you know because of the feedback, when I talk or Stone talks, just uh, bounces off your mic. So that's why I'm muting for you for now. If you got something to say, let me know, and I'll, I'll get you right on the mic. So just wanted to let you know on that. Stone, we now get to the portion which we had talked about, and that is the NBA rookies. And I know Joe and I, on a certain rookie, will go ahead and – be very merciless indeed, but that comes up here in a bit. And you are, already know that if you've listened to the show for quite a bit. Uh, Stone, we do have right now the battle between Chet Holmgren and Victor Wemiyama. Victor, uh, he has been quite a bit of what I thought he would be when I saw him first in Henderson matching up against Scoot Henderson, those teams matching up. His first glimpse, I saw him live. I thought he was the real deal. Uh, and it's funny because somebody uh, uh, just off, they posted their a they do their own sports show, but they posted a comment uh, the other day in regards to. I guess I blew it when they called out last year at this time, one year ago today, that they had said that LeBron, uh, that uh, Victor Wembyama uh, was not the real deal and was uh, kind of a phony and too light, too too skinny, yada yada yada. A year later, he is even correcting himself. So it's so funny because, again, Victor, to me, looked like the real deal. Has he progressed in the way, despite being on such a bad team in San Antonio, has he progressed the way you, you think he would have? Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, he's the most – him and Luca for me, are like tier one, like the most generational players I've ever scouted in – uh, Victor is performing as a generational rookie. Um, I think that's, I mean, fair to say at this point, he's he's not many guys put up, you know, 20 and 10 in three blocks a game uh, in their rookie year. It's just not very really precedented. So uh, he's obviously on a bad team. And I think I expected that aspect of it. I think anyone who thought Victor would come in and immediately make the Spurs a 60 win team on a, stacked western conference is a little bit you know asking for too much even if he's a generational player but uh, i think his individual play has warranted all the pre-draft type than that was given to him i think um, it's a clear example of that you need more than one just spectacular player to make a good team i think so too i think it's also an example of i mean you just as great as victor is and as transcendent a talent as he is um it's you shouldn't be relying on your rookie to lead you you know super far in their first year and i think i expected poor field goal percentage from him uh i expected it's going to be he's going to have to adapt i mean he came into the league as a 19 year old as great as he is you're still going to have to adapt to some degree coming from france to the nba uh it's not the same league and so i expected I think he's pretty much right on par with what I had envisioned. Uh, I think he's actually probably shooting worse from three than I had thought, but uh, I'm not really concerned about that. And I'll preface all the rookies we're going to talk about by saying you should not be putting too much stock into a rookie season unless they're playing um, absurdly well or absurdly bad um, in accordance to your expectations. 
Otherwise, most guys, uh, even guys that are playing really bad, and not to jump ahead too much, but like Scoot Henderson's been pretty poor throughout his rookie season. I kind of just write that off, to be honest. It's one year as opposed to two or three years that we've seen prior to him, and it's going to take a long time for rookies to adapt. There's plenty of guys that have been really good their rookie season or really bad their rookie season, and over the course of two, three, four years, it ends up evening out. So people, I think, are a little too... Uh, quick to jump the gun on making decisive decisions and evaluations on a player based on their rookie year. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, Victor, as great as chat has been, Victor's to me, the clear uh, rookie of the year so far, uh, in my opinion. So you said you picked Chet Holmgren above him or uh, Victor Victor's Victor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, like you said about the shooting, the shooting issues, he is 46. Overall, that was the kind of surprising thing to me. I thought he would still be over 50. Uh, his three-pointer, 32%, is probably where I imagined it, at least to start off his career, 32% from three. I think that was where I imagined. I just thought the 46 would be higher. Joe, what are your thoughts on Victor Wembeyama that you've seen so far? I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if AD's not there, if the league doesn't vote for AD as Defensive Player of the Year. Who else would be? I think it'll be Gobert. I think Victor. If you give another one to Rudy Gobert, uh, I'm going to – I mean, at this point, it's just – what's the point? What? Why are you giving it to Rudy Gobert? I, I'm just telling you because where they're st- they are in the standings, that's why they'll give it to him. Okay, this is an individual award. This isn't a team award. Why do I keep hearing that BS? They're one of the top defenses in the league, and he's anchoring it. Okay, right. But you just said because they're wearing, they're in the standings. This is, well, the, this is going back to it, the, the, the bad side of 30 when a guy just turns 30. That doesn't make any does, damn sense. It does to me, and I say it now. I'm, I'm going to keep on no, saying it. It has nothing to do with you. AD is on the wrong sense. side of 30. Wrong side of 30 is people in their late 30s. In the NBA, it's actually a lot, lot sooner, my friend. But okay, it, it all depends on the individual. Don't my friend me, crap. Don't don't patronize me with that BS. I'll patronize listen, you when I want to. Listen, who's who are you more afraid of? Who is more dominant individually on defense than AD or Victor? I'm you not think dis- Rudy Gobert. You I'm think not, Rudy I'm Gobert has that? With you. I'm just telling you what I hear and what I see as far as who's leading the award as far as that's concerned at this point in time because Rudy Gobert is anchoring one of the top defenses in the league and Minnesota is at the top of the Western Conference. It plays a better scenario than the guy that's leading a ninth-place team in the Western Conference. The real question is what – what are the Spurs going to do here in the next few years? If we're talking about Victor, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think AD should be the defensive player. I'm just telling you. No, no, you no, no. I, don't, I don't want you to agree with me. Oh, then I, I want you to look at the. I want you to look at the, the the the. I want you to look at the gameplay. Are is is Rudy Gobert more intimidating and dominant on defense than AD? I don't want to hear about standings and all that horse crap. They're the number. Who is the best defender in the NBA? Uh, I'm gonna statistically because because is- to put to put AD in that in that category, how how does that make sense? You have two of the worst, the, actually three if you in fact if you factor in LeBron, you have three of the worst defenders on the team, 
and that yet you're going to judge AD on that. The, the AD doesn't have a control. That's why it's an individual award. That's what I don't understand this logic. You know what it is? It's a bunch of people who don't watch Jack squat, just looking at re rebounds and numbers on, on a box score. That's the problem. That's the problem with that. So the question always is going to be who is actually, I mean, I watched what, what did AD do the other day in, in Utah? Did, did, did they even know what the hell was going on with their life? At some point towards the end, they're like, where, I don't know where to go. That to me is what dominance is. We get so wrapped up in numbers. Of course, he's going to play well with, well, how many freaking first round overall picks do they have on that team? Two? Two. Anthony Edwards and Cat. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're paying attention. And now we're looking at Victor too. Okay. I'm looking at Victor based off of what I've seen. Victor is going to, Victor has the chance, honestly, to win like six of these things. And I'm, I'm maybe a little bit still irritated by the, the NFL defensive player of the year award. You have the best defender in the NFL, the last four seasons sitting with one defensive player of the year award. And it took him to tie the all time sack record to get it. And I have to watch some guy get it who had one mother effing sack in the last six games of the NFL season. There's only 17. There's only 17 games. One sack, you give it to that guy? So for me, these questions about, I guess, value, why does it matter in the end? Who cares? It's an individual award. No, it matters. It matters because there's a psychology to it. Okay, there's a livelihood attached to this and livelihood attachment, getting paid all has psychological effects, negative or positive. All the stuff that's been going on about how, oh, man, you know, this many games and you need to get to to so that you can be uh, eligible for awards. All this stuff matters. And these guys are starting to get that right. They're starting to get that. You're getting paid more money than anyone has ever gotten paid in this league. And yet you're still whining like little girls. I'm sorry like Ben Simmons about make, oh, oh my God, we got to play 82 games a year. And now it's starting to seep up into, into baseball. It always starts somewhere. You ever heard the saying, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 46 next Friday. Maybe I'm old for some of you, but there was a saying when we grew up. Okay. That's how it starts. You just keep letting it go. You just keep letting it go. Oh, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, it's okay. It's that. That's why you see a bunch of rugrats out here that have no discipline. They have no respect for their parents. They have no respect for teachers. You keep telling me it's okay here. It's okay. Well, after a while, that little space turns into an entire city. It all matters in the end. It all matters. It's Yeah, it's an award. It doesn't mean anything for the fans and the title, but... It could mean something to that player that'll allow him to go, yes, I'm the man. I got this. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm appreciated. That stuff matters. So, I don't know. So, on that note, Stone, as Joe said, in regards to the way people vote and perceive things, especially Rookie of the Year, you also have on the other end of the spectrum, Chet Holmgren, who does not have the same kind of statistics on a personal level, but 
he is part of a team that's at the top of the Western Conference. Uh, similar type scenario, which I was just discussing with Joe with the Defensive Player of the Year. I still think AV is the Defensive Player of the Year. I'm just telling him and communicating to you and him what the voters out there are thinking right now, what the odds in Vegas say. The odds in Vegas are are definitely not leaning in AD's direction, and they're not leaning always in Victor Wemiyama's direction because of the fact that uh, Chet Holmgren's out there. Your thoughts, it has eased up, and Victor has, I believe, regained the forefront as a favorite because of his sheer outstanding play, and Chet has regressed a little bit, even though the team has done well. But your thoughts on Chet Holmgren in his first year of play as well? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's been incredible as well. Um, not to the exactly the same degree as Victor, uh, but I think Chet's been, I mean, awesome too to be able to hit. You know, uh, what is it like? I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think last I checked is like one point seven threes a game, and then he's still getting two point six blocks a game that's pretty incredible for a rookie most rookies are not doing that so and he's highly efficient he's shooting near 40 percent from three his rookie year um as a seven footer and is i mean shooting pretty well from the field listen i mean he, he has a much undeniably a much better team than victor's right now um and I think that's helping with his offensive efficiency. Not to say that Chet is an inefficient player, but I don't think it would be quite to this level if he were on the Spurs, let's say. Um, But I do think that uh, this, I mean, and this might be a something that ruffles feathers or or people disagree with, but um, I think Victor's the better player, but in the seven, eight years I've, I've really evaluated players ever seen a rim protector quite like Chet. I think Chet is probably a better rim protector than Victor. And that's not to say Victor's a bad rim protector or a bad defender. He's still elite in his own right. But I do think Chet, with his timing, uh, the way he affects shots, it doesn't even always show up if you watch a Thunder game where he's blocking all these shots. But he'll just simply take a slide over and guys will pass out to the three-point line because they don't want to deal with going into the paint with Chet in there. I mean, he's he's a force defensively, and I think he's one of the best timed rim protectors I've ever evaluated. So I think Chet's in for – I think he's in for, um, you know, a defensive player of the year or two or three within his career as well. I mean, it's going to depend on Victor and his health because I think Victor's probably going to win out the majority of the time. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, physical attributes, I think – uh, Victor, obviously, not to say that he's unskilled defensively, but being seven foot five certainly helps if you make a mistake to be able to recover. Um, so I think I think Chet to me is a ever so slightly better defender to me, but Victor's the better player than Chet, and I think that that's going to come out uh, over time as well. So um, uh, yeah, I think I've been. I wouldn't even say I'm super impressed by both these guys. I think. Uh, and that's not to say I get everything right because we'll talk about other players I've been wrong in as, as we continue on. But uh, I think these two players are sort of uh, playing to the level I expected headed into this year. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Joe, what are your thoughts on Chet Holmgren? Uh, as far as uh, him being a player that can uh, dominate for the years to come. I wish he rebounds better. I think that's the problem where I see with his game right now, but otherwise he has had a fantastic rookie season for OKC. If he wants to rebound more, then you probably need to add a few more pounds there. I think Chet's only negative right now is he's too lanky. I think he needs to add maybe about 10, 15 pounds and preferably below the waist. And then at that point, he can establish dominance a little bit better that way. I mean, he'll get it on the top, too. It's just a matter of just – he probably eats, too. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that he's one of those guys that probably eats like Michael Phelps and can't gain a damn pound. <laughs> so uh, that's going to come down to maturity. Chet, if he doesn't get hurt and if Wembyama don't get hurt, those guys are going to be Hall of Fame players. Get, you can you can uh, you can put that on the on the hanger uh, to answer uh, Sunday A's uh, question. Ronda will likely get in, although my Hall of Fame credential type decision making, I would I would not. Uh, I put him at the Michael Cooper level. Just to and the know. thing is, with me is Michael Cooper is not technically a Hall of Fame player. He's a phenomenal role player. He was integral in the Lakers championship uh dynasty uh i love coop absolutely love love his personality love his game love everything about him as much as i could remember when i was a kid but also from what i've watched in in, in other tapes and, and and videos uh but my criteria for for hall of famers is just different it's just i if you if you got injured even i i, I unfortunately I, you're gonna be asked out there too you gotta be you have to be like Terrell Davis or Gail Sears. Your your six years has to be so dominant that even I, you, you could probably say Tracy McGrady is that guy in, in the NBA. He had such a dominant six seven year run where he can get, he he gets in because he was so effective and dominant in those years. He was neck and neck with Kobe in terms of best player in the league. So that that warrants something. 
But Rondo, I don't know. Rondo, I think Rondo, what's a, Rondo, what, what's a good example of Rondo? Um, would you say he is, I don't even know who to compare him to. I'd have to think about that one. I'll get back to that. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. The answer on my, in my, in my assessment, no, but he's likely to go. He's likely to go at some point. I just uh, think like, like, go ahead, son. I, just, ahead. I don't want to derail the convo too much, but I was just going to say that I don't think there's any Hall of Famers in this class personally. I don't, even Vince Carter, I don't think is a Hall of Famer. I agree. I agree. I actually agree with you, Stone. Uh, really, if you really want to go the right way in my head, you have to be the elite of the elite, not just elite. I'm talking gen- I think- generally. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I I was... Yeah. I I butted (laughs) in on that one. No, I was just going to say, I think that the real cutoff for me, like the the player to me that exemplifies like the the lowest cutoff point in the type of career and accolades that they uh, uh, accumulated would be Pau Gasol. Like to me, that's like the very bottom on the border edge type of player I would allow into the Hall of Fame. There is one definitive Hall of Famer in this class it's jerry west as an executive that i think is no doubter that i think is a no-brainer i'm surprised uh he wasn't in earlier Uh, you and me both but when it comes right down to it it is the lakers fast break it is gerald glasser along with joe sorrow and stone hansen uh, before we leave, I want to go ahead and note some of the other rookies that are out there. Stone, uh, Brandon Miller has really come on for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Joe mentioned him when we recently played the Charlotte Hornets about how well he's progressed. Uh, he has clearly pattern, you know, pushed, put himself ahead of Scoot. That kind of debate for now is over. I don't think it's going to be a done debate. I think at some point in time, Scoot, like you said, it's a lost season for Scoot. I just don't think you give up on Scoot just yet. I think he has certain talents that may if given the right situation progress to the point where that we can reignite that debate again but for right now at number three on your list for rookies of the year should be brandon miller he's not for me but uh, really you think triple j i do not think that either i think podzinski to me would be in the third place for me um but i put him fifth for me but okay i mean it's 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 not locked in by any means and there's still a third of the season left to go but um yeah for miller i so i'll say this i i was lower on miller than most people headed into the draft i think i had him six or seven most people had him three um and i still liked miller quite a bit Uh, everyone thought i was a miller hater and you know uh, why do you hate this kid he's a superstar da 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 I stand by the fact that I still have him in that range. Again, I'm not letting one season go by and two months of good basketball is not an entire season of good basketball like Chet or Victor have been playing. Uh, Miller's really come on the past couple months and it's on the back of unsustainable shooting. I don't think he's going to be shooting 60% from three for his entire career. Uh, And that's not to say, again, I still really like Brandon Miller. I think he's going to be a all-star at some point in his career. I don't know if that's perennial. I don't know if that's 
you know, how, how many times that is, but I think he's going to be a really good player is what I'm trying to convey. But I think that I wouldn't use this past two months to use that as a reason to say that he should have been the third best player. If you thought that ahead of the draft, then stick by it, I think, but I wouldn't use these two months to use that as your argument. And I also would still say that it was a mistake to take him over scoot uh, at this point in time. And people are going to be like, yeah, but Brandon's playing much better. And while that is true, uh, again, it's a rookie year on the back of unsustainable shooting. And I think that you have to give guys, especially at the top, especially at the top, you have to give them two, three years, ideally really maybe even four sometimes to really get a grasp on these guys. If you base rookie seasons, especially for the top guys, lottery guys that to say uh, on their rookie year, you're going to be in for a whirlwind. Uh, I mean, there's guys like Chris Duarte that are putting up like 14 points a game his rookie year. Now he's not even in the rotation for the Sacramento Kings. I mean, you, you cannot base rookie seasons as the projection for entire careers unless it's outlierishly good like Victor Chet or outlierishly bad uh, for other guys and, and even less so in terms of the bad uh spectrum so that's sort of where i'm at with miller i think he's going to be a very good player uh i still just am not quite there with the the third best player in this class joe uh who are some of the other rookies that have stood out to you this season <sighs> you really want that answer <laughs> yeah well I, well let me say this let me say this We'll deal with the JHS issue last. I think that's something we'll deal with last. I think Stone, myself, and you will have plenty to say on that front. But go ahead, my friend. Who has stood out to you this this season in their first rookie year? Uh, we lost um, your we lost your voice. There. You can't yeah. hear me. Yeah, I can't. You're back. Okay, sorry guys. I'm on a phone and. I probably shouldn't be doing this. Uh, this is probably the last time I'll do this because I, I get text messages literally every 30 seconds, and sometimes I'll get calls too, so I have to ignore them. But uh, Lively, number one, uh, Triple J, Miami, uh, Cam Whitmore have been the three that have really kind of – and I think a lot of it is the fact that uh, we were looking at Lively, and I think if Lively had, had stayed at 17 or was able to drop to 17, I think that would have been our guy. Uh and then, of course, the guys that were picked right after 17, and then, of course, Cam Whitmore. I think those are the three that I think, in the long run, because of their, number one, their talent, number two, their situation, Triple J's in Miami, he's going to only get better as long as he doesn't get injured. Cam Whitmore, uh, if there isn't any debilitating injury issues with him that they were suspecting, and obviously his attitude was a little bit of an issue as well, if those things don't become a problem, he's going to be a star, I believe. And then, of course, Lively, Man, we could have used him next to AD, man. And that one, unfortunately, we didn't have a shot at. But uh, I see him being a 10, 12, you know, year player, if not more. I'd say those are the three that I've that I've enjoyed watching play. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, Stone, uh, one last thing before we get into, obviously, our picks. <sighs> when it comes right down to it, two, three. I'm going to head Go out, ahead. G. Okay. So, I'm going to head out. Thanks, Joe. Uh, good show. I'll be back uh, tomorrow. Those of you who want nightcap, it's coming back tomorrow night, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you then. You got it.
Thanks, Joe. Take care, guys. <laughs> Always mocking me. But anyways, uh, I do want to go ahead and make sure, Stone, you get in some love for Podziemski because he is your number three right now. He has played a key role supplanting Clay Thompson in the starting lineup. Let's, that's not a big feat indeed. I mean, that, that will be the answer to a trivia question at some point in time down the road. Your thoughts on Brandon Podziemski. What do you feel that his level can be at as an NBA player? Uh, I mean, this might surprise people, but I think all-star, really. Like, I, I think he's a very good player. I think he affects winning quite a bit. Um, I mean, this is... He's, he's, I mean, probably the second best player right now on the Warriors, I would say. I don't think that's a, really a stretch to say. Um, I mean, over the last, what is it, like 12 games or so, uh, he's averaging like close to like eight assists and seven boards. Um, the shooting's been a little bit up and down, but uh, for the most part, I think, you know, that's expected of a rookie. But um yeah, I think I think it's just a player that really impacts winning in a multitude of ways. I think he's a really good passer, rebounder, probably the best rebounding guard I've ever evaluated. Um, so, yeah, I'm 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 even surprised by him, and I was one of the highest people on him pre-draft, and I'm surprised that he's as far as he is right now uh, at that he is currently. Uh, Lively's really impressed me. Uh, someone I was actually lower on, I missed on him a little bit. Um, I think he is in the perfect situation in Dallas where, uh, I mean, really the offense is spoon fed to him in a way because you have probably the best passer in the league with Luca uh, and Kyrie taking a while the offensive pressure off. Uh, but he's really been, you know, awesome defensively. I'm not going to take away from that. So uh, he was probably a miss for me at this point, I would say. Uh, Whitmore is about what I expected, to be honest. I had him as the fifth best player in this class, and I think he's he's living up to that. Um, so I'm not, I, I wouldn't say he's impressed me because he's just doing what I expected, if that makes sense. So it, it's not really in a, like something that's blowing me away. Um, I think, uh, Asar Thompson is someone that's really impressed me. And, uh, if those that remember that were listening to the show before the draft, uh, I had a big separation playing between... in Detroit, by the way, not the, uh, yes, that's the, the, that's the Detroit player. one. Amen. I had a big separation between him and Amon, uh, mm -hmm. like a 20, 20 spot gap between them. Uh, and I think the Amon is still going to be the better player. And as of the past couple of weeks, Amon started to really turn it on. And this final third stretch of the NBA season is really, you're going to see a lot of these rookies get more time and coaches give them a Ahmed longer recently leash. Got into the starting lineup for Houston. Yeah, and I think you're really going to see him explode probably this final third of the season. Uh, and I think Asar has really impressed me. Uh, I think I was wrong about him. Uh, and um, we've seen him get jerked around in the, the Pistons lineup, and he's on a terrible team. It's a terrible context, and still his defense is like elite already in his rookie year. He's He's been an amazing defender, and I think Almond's going to be uh, even better uh not only defensively, but with the ball in his hands, he can do more. So I think you're going to see those guys explode. County George has handled what Utah has given him uh, fairly well, I think. But I'm still confident that I had him in the right place as a late first-round pick because despite the you know point explosions that he has here and there, uh, he's still shooting sub-40% from the field. This is sort of what I expected from him, and I think I expect from him for the rest of his career, not quite sub 40%, but 
uh, a poor field goal percentage guy who um, I think is going to be, he's going to have his place in the league, but I think a lot of the big point explosions are going to be somewhat empty calories. Uh, that's sort of what I see with Keontae in his rookie season and kind of what I had thought pre-draft. Uh, Jaime Hawkins has really impressed me. Uh, I, I think this is a good example of a player who, uh, not to take too much away from the rookie season because I do think uh, I've been rooting for Jaime, um, you know, local kid, hometown Mexican kid. We don't get many of those in the league. Uh, I'm Mexican, even though I don't look like it. So uh, I'm not just saying that, <laughs> but um, so Jaime is someone I really root for, but he's not going to be someone that I think is going to be the level of player he's shown in his rookie or people that have expectations for him moving forward. Um, as this top three or four guy on a team, I think he's going to be a really solid high-end role player, but I don't think he's going to be quite this level of player for the entirety of his career. Um, so those are the guys I think that you know stand out to me the most uh, in terms of what they've shown their rookie year. And like I said, there's it's one season. Some of these guys are probably going to be worse as years go by, and guys I didn't mention are going to probably come onto the scene in a big way over the next couple of years as well. So uh, we can't get to every single person, but I think there's going to be, you know, uh, more to show throughout the coming years than just this rookie season. Gigi Jackson, uh, Trace Jackson, Davis, uh, uh, those two have played really well um, for the time that they've been given. Again, TG Day, uh, TJD has come off uh, the bench for the most part for Golden State and in limited minutes, given them a, a lot of good uh, lift. Uh, Jordan Hawkins has also played well as well, but Gigi Jackson in recent games for Memphis down there near where you're at. Uh, he's impressed uh, for a guy that was a late second round pick. Your thoughts on Gigi Jackson before we really get into it with our picks. Yeah. I, I mean, I was someone that was very out on Gigi before the draft. And uh, I think that he is someone that to me looks like someone that can stick in the league which is more than I had, you know, expected headed into the draft. I think you're also looking at a team that is desperate for for offense. I mean, this team is decimated by injuries right now. They have absolutely nothing going on. And Gigi is a raw offensive talent who's providing that for them. But on a fully healthy team, on a a, a good team, I don't think we'd see this level of play from Gigi. And that's not me trying to hate on the kid. He's still super young and there's a lot of time for him to grow and develop. But I don't think uh, this is necessarily exemplary of the sort of opportunity that's going to always exist for Gigi in his game. Uh, just because, I mean, you're dealing with the, the most decimated team in the league right now. And he's getting a ton of opportunity and he's making the most of it, which congratulations to him. Um, and hopefully it continues. I just, I think that it's a bit, overlooked how depleted the the grizzlies are at this point in time so before we head on out we have our own draft picks uh both in the first and the second round and joe and i have made it a point and issue to remind our our audience out there about the poor decisions that were made in regards to the lakers now mind you they've made several good draft picks over the course of the past few years. Uh, they've filled out the rosters of many a team with all the rotation players that they've added to the league and credit the Lakers for that. And although they haven't retained many of those 
rotation players. Some of it was given away, obviously, in the Anthony Davis trade. Some of them they just let go or traded away. Uh, your thoughts on the latest? Uh, yeah, Eric. I mean, if you go back to our coverage on that day for NBA for the NBA draft, we were all screaming for Cam or other options. We none of us were actually asking for JHS, and you immediately pounced on how bad a pick that was in JHS, uh, and it has not gotten any better. This could be something that really hurts the team long term if he and Maxwell Lewis who a lot of people still have high hopes on, even though I have not yet to, uh, to see it materialize out on the court. Yeah. This, I mean, this could re- be a real problem for the organization going forward. If those neither one of those two become a good rotation player. Yeah. So I'll start with J J H S. I think that's the, the bigger miss, right? If they miss, like, I don't think you're, I don't think you should be depending your franchise on the 40th pick in the draft, because I think it all depends on how much, well, remember they did move up and paid money to get him. Yeah, they, correct. They, and did it, they trade second round pick or they, it was for cash. I, I think, think it cash was cash. Was, okay. Yeah. I know cash was for Max Christie. I know that they, moved yeah, up, they got, and they to me, that was a mistake as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I'll start with JHS. I mean, I had him as a, a lower rated prospect than Max Lewis to begin with. I think that, and I still think that, but again, I'm not taking away much from rookie season, especially from two guys that haven't even played. So, uh, and I think people had too high expectations off the bat for these guys coming into the league where the Lakers, we expect immediate, you know, success just in general. And I think that you're asking too much of that for a pick at 17 uh, of JHS. And it's not JHS's fault that he got picked that high. I don't want to put blame on him. It's the organization's fault that they picked him that high. I was rooting for, uh, you know, I really was wanted uh, Cam Whitmore uh, or Pod or Podjemski. I think either of those guys I would have been extremely happy with. And I had them both as top 10 picks in my board. Very, you know, anyway, talked about them enough, but JHS very out on, the whole draft most people had him as a top 20 guy i think i had him like 35 to 40 somewhere in there i thought i saw him as a second rounder someone i, I had zero interest taken in the first round they took him i think he's a bad athlete i think he's a bad shooter i think he's a bad defender i still think all those things i think all those things can be true while at the same time you could be asking for too much of him in his rookie year as a 19 year old i think that um i i think best case scenario he's a backup guard um you know hopefully i'm wrong on that but i think expecting a rookie to really carry you or be an integral part of your rotation in their their first season is asking too much for almost any rookie unless you're at the very top so uh, that's sort of where i land with that with max lewis i think i i ultimately think it's a mistake to spend millions to get a player in the second round just in general as a, as a principle i think that's a mistake i was against it when he did it with max christie uh, and max christie i was a very out on as a player as well i still am i don't think he's an nba player uh with max lewis i i thought he had potential to be an nba player and i still do think he has potential to be an nba player been very poor this season i uh even in my write-up pre-draft with him i said it's going to be probably two years minimum before he touches an NBA floor. I just think that 
He's a very raw player. He's going to take a lot of time to develop. Most of his time should be spent in the G League for the first two years of his career. If he turns out to be something out of that, great. If not, it is what it is. And I think that taking him uh, in the second round is you're not missing out too much value, I think, as much as you are at 17 with JHS. I don't really care how much the Lakers spent on him because it's coming out of their pocket, and I don't really care about their finances. I only care about mine, really. So I don't care how much it costs them. Um, They should be spending money to make the team better, but I think it was a mistake to financially put that towards a player that isn't going to make you better and realistically you shouldn't be at or thinking you're going to get any value out of for the first two years of his career Uh, and spending that sort of money on a player like that I think is putting a lot of pressure on them unfairly Uh, and I think uh, it's going to be a while before we see either of them pay any dividends Um, and I think with JHS specifically it's more frustrating because you it's a top 20 pick not a top 40 pick that's a big difference there and the players taken directly after them, to me, were very clearly much better uh, than what you took at 17. Before we head on out, I wanted to bring in the guy who is such a great part of what we're doing here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is Laker Nick. Laker Nick, great to have you here. Uh, I wanted to have you know you have put in your two cents on this whole debacle so far as far as our draft picks are concerned your thoughts on jhs and maxwell lewis before we head on out laker nick yeah gerald um and salute stone it's great to have you on um i uh no i completely agree with stone obviously if there's someone whose opinion i trust when it comes to prospects and draftees and the entire nba player selection process it has to be stone um yeah i mean with uh jhs um and some of the other draft picks that you know we got this year um it's fair to say that they've been underwhelming um but you know their underwhelming performance um unfortunately hasn't been uh, unexpected um you know we've seen jhs get spot minutes uh, maybe one to two minutes per game um really minimal gameplay uh, he's been out with the injuries as well um i don't really know what his future is um I don't know if you know he's moved this summer if what his value is if he is moved um it's just a very strange situation that jhs finds himself where he's a you know a draft pick that sure he isn't a you know top five top ten pick but when you're taking that high um i'm not sure you know if uh if he should be performing uh the way that he is to be fair to jhs um you know, I'm not obviously a fan of his game, but to be fair to him, uh, you know, he, it's not like he's playing 20, 25 minutes per game. So um, I'll just, you know, give him that as a benefit of the doubt that maybe down the line um, in a team that's probably not the Lakers and he's able to get actually some gameplay, then, um, you know, we'll see what he really has. But at this point, um, you know, I don't see much of a much of a future to put it bluntly. Let me say this, Nick, before we head on out, is you mentioned that he's not playing 20, 25 minutes a game. The Lakers, with the Gabe Vincent injury, had an opening, a wide opening for a backup point guard. Yet at never any point in time did they really seriously consider putting JHS into that slot and giving him that chance to go ahead and contribute. 
uh, you know, they see him on a regular basis. They see him in the G League. They see him as far as and evaluate him. Uh, does that also speak to where he is as far as his development? If they don't won't even give him a shot when circumstances dictate they can and rightly, you know, if it was another player in that spot that that plays a, at the point guard level could have uh, done a better job at doing. No, you're exactly right, uh, Gerald. Um, it not only speaks to, um, as you mentioned, JHS's talent or lack of talent, but it obviously also speaks to the coaching staffs or even the Lakers management uh, view of JHS after they had a, you know, some months to observe him, to see him in practices, um, to see him play, even though you know his playing time has been relatively minimal, um, and. You know, JHS, he is a rookie, um, but, you know, um, even though he may not be very talented, I'm sure he's not a dumb player, right? And I'm sure he senses, um, unfortunately, maybe the lack of confidence that, as I mentioned, the Lakers management or the Lakers coaching staff hasn't on his gameplay or his future or his potential. And so um, from just the... If you want to call it mental standpoint, I wouldn't be surprised if JHS uh, is a bit down on the organization or uh, what his um, you know playing time uh, has turned out to be so far this season, which has been close to zero. Nick, great to have you here. Joe Soro, thank you as well. Truly appreciate everyone in the chat. Some great thoughts and, and contributions as well for the best Lakers chapters out there, Lakers Fast Break. Stone... We started off with you, my friend. Any last thoughts on the rookies or the Lakers tomorrow before we head on out? Uh, I think I got everything off my chest that I wanted to. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just looking forward towards tomorrow. Um, you know, anytime we get to watch basketball is a good day. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, once again, it is Stone Hansen and Laker Nick, along with Joe Soro as well. This is Gerald Glassford. Go ahead and make sure you catch us tomorrow. Starting with the pregame, going into the full game, it is our simulcast. Once again, to remind you, playback.tv slash break or simulcast to two our YouTube and Facebook channels. Then afterwards, it is the best post game around for the Lakers, and that is the Lakers fast break. And then topping your night off is a nightcap with Joe Soro. Nobody tops your evening more or better than Joe Soro will at 11 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. So, Great to have you here. Looking forward again to having you part of what we're doing at the Lakers Fast Break. If you've not yet liked and subscribed, please do so. It is imperative that you do because you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live once again with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. <laughs> <laughs>